Okay, I wanted to give uh, a couple pieces of advice for preachers. And uh, this is in light of the fact that Kerry Newhoff and I just came out with a course on preaching called The Art of Better Preaching. You can get it at theartofbetterpreaching.com. And it's now available uh, for you to, it's an online course. Uh, right now it's $249 and it's going to go up in the next, I think, 30 days or something to $299. So it's going really well. People are really connecting with it and, uh, you know, some, some really good feedback. But what I wanted to, it got me thinking about advice for preachers. And this is uh, a couple of things that I don't talk about, well, a couple of the things I talk about in the course, but a couple I don't. So just outside of the course stuff I've been thinking about since recording the course. Uh, if you're a communicator in a church or a, the marketplace or whatever, um, it's really important to be able to hone in on a few things. And one of them uh, is to not be derivative or to not copy. I think you need to figure out who you are. I watch too many preachers who you know sound like other preachers. And so oftentimes they're like mimicking, you know, the famous preachers of today and trying to do what they do, but it doesn't really fit their personality. And so it just feels awkward for everybody. And it's, it's, you know, totally clear to everybody what's going on. Even from a stylistic point, you know, there's just this kind of world of, you know, preachers who dress the same, you know, look exactly the same, hold the microphone in the same way, use the same pithy sayings. You don't want to do that. You want to, you want to be your own person. You want to break the mold, um, and be faithful to what you're doing in preaching and teaching and communicating, but to do it in a way that is you. And I think over time it's going to grow tired when you have all these cookie cutter kind of preachers. And I, I think, I feel like there's already rumblings of just people who are kind of sick of, that same vibe over and over again and the look and the aesthetic and the, you know, you just kind of can predict what's happening um, and predict what's going to happen. And people are looking for authenticity. I think, you know, Mark Batterson, that's number two on my list. Mark Batterson talks about the fact that authenticity is the uh, most important thing in leadership today, especially with, um, you know, the generation we're dealing with as we try to reach millennials and uh, try to reach people under them, we got to understand that that authenticity is huge. They've been they've kind of been zapped by the church, or they feel like the church isn't relevant to them, and whatever. And what we need to do is show them, hey, look, I'm a, I'm a you know I'm a human being. Um, I make mistakes. I'm not perfect. I lead with a limp, whatever. And you're authentic. Share, you know, illustrations and stories from your own life, not from, you know, other people's lives. Uh, be real. And uh, I think that goes a long way. And so not copying, um, being authentic. Number three would be work harder than everybody else. In the, in the, in the business world, that's not true about the church world. Um, you have people who just, they just work harder than the next guy to be able to get ahead. Um, now, of course, our motivation is not to get ahead, but to get ahead in the office or to get ahead in the workplace or to, you know, get more sales or to, you know, get out there and have some, some results on what they're trying to do. Um, and there's a bit of a, 
a work ethic that comes with that where you want to be the best. I was talking to uh, a guy yesterday and he's just like in his, the classic mid thirties career driven wants to go on, you know, every special, you know, uh, committee at his office and whatever, because he wants to show them that he's worth a lot of value to the organization because he's establishing himself in a career. And, um, you know, we work through how to balance that and work life and, but there's something about going over and above. And I think that's the key preachers. If you want to be great communicators, whether it's in the office or in a church, you got to go over and above what everybody else is doing. You have to work harder. You have to work tirelessly. You have to work hours and hours and hours at your craft. Um, that's, that's prep. Yep. Like reading, writing, manuscripting, all of that. Um, but it's also uh, the actual, you know, rehearsing the sermon in an office or a room or whatever, hearing it out loud, being able to kind of go. And it's not, you know, until you're have been doing this for 10 or 15 years that I think you can stop doing those things. I think you really need to be because I think the church deserves a better quality of preacher and teacher today uh, in the Western world. Uh, fourthly. Your audience, know your audience. Your audience should not just be Christians. Of course, the job of the church is to equip the saints. Of course, the job of the preacher is to disciple people. But part of discipleship is reaching them first. And I think oftentimes we create this dichotomy of of discipleship means you're talking only to Christians. And I don't think that. I think discipleship, you got to reach people too. You have to have evangelism and discipleship that are part of your preaching ministry. And so have an audience uh, in your brain that's an unchurched person that you know going through real unchurched issues with unchurched questions, uh, issues in their life, um, and make sure you're able to go between both worlds. You'll be able to speak to the Christian, yep, and then also speak to the non-Christian who's questioning, the agnostic, the atheist, the person from another religion. Uh, the way Keller would put this is he would say, speak to the older brother and the younger brother. And I think every sermon has got to do that. I think uh, make sure that, uh, fifthly, uh, I think, fifthly, that you do it with passion. Uh, that you don't, that if you really believe the gospel, if you really understand what Jesus has done, um, you got to do it with passion. You got to be able to get to the point where you're not note dependent so that that passion comes across. I think a modern audience looks and says, if this person uh, really knows, like really is it just talking to me about the Bible and they're talking to me about how the word and the word behind the word, you know, Jesus himself has actually impacted their life then why do they need to constantly be looking at their notes? They should just be bleeding out of them just as a very natural part of their life. And of course, you're going to you know, rehearse and practice so that it feels natural. Um, lots of people look at me and just think I'm winging it. I'm not. That's hours of prep. Um, that's, that's making sure I memorize phrases and understand what I'm doing and, uh, and know kind of where I'm going with stories, where I'm going with the content, but it also comes with 15 years of, um, reading. And, uh, and so, uh, sixthly, if I have room for that is I think if you're a preacher, you gotta be, you gotta read widely and never stop reading, um, read business books, read psychology books, read good novels, read good theology. Don't just stick to theology though. I think, uh, if you just stick to your, you know, 15 favorite theological authors or keep just reading Christian 
uh, philosophy and theology that your your sermons are going to lack a bit. Of course, do that. Um, I'm going into a First Corinthians series in the fall, and I just ordered, you know, probably eight commentaries, and so they're all on my desk, ready to go. And every passage, I'll read those commentaries. But in the midst of that, in real life, I'm also reading dozens of other things to draw from. I'm reading uh, Michael Lewis. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not. I'm reading novels. I'm reading uh, a psychology book, and uh, a kind of like a Freakonomics type book. Um, where you're drawing psych- psychological stories, you're drawing narratives from other books to make points. Um, reading the originals uh, by Adam Grant and, and drawing illustrations from that. And so make sure you're reading widely. Um, people ask me about resources uh, on preaching. Um, I don't, I think I read a few preaching books uh, back in the day when I was in college. Uh, one stood out to me, Brian Chapel's Christ-Centered Preaching. So that's a good resource for you. Of course, Keller's put out a recent book called Preaching, uh, which I think is amazing. Uh, I haven't read all of it, but, um, and uh, another resource would be the Art of Better Preaching. So go to artofbetterpreaching.com, order it. Hopefully it's super helpful. If it's not, uh, it's no risk. You can have your money back if you don't think you got anything out of it. Uh, but I, me and Carrie worked really hard on it. It is, uh, 12 sessions. Uh, I teach five, he teaches five, and then we do two together. And then there's bonus stuff. Uh, you get a sermon kind of, uh, it's a cool little thing we're doing. It's almost like a game tape where you watch the sermon and uh, on a video and then we pause it and you can hear us talking through the sermon. Like, here's why we made this decision. Here's what this point looked like. And then we hit play and we keep going with it. And then you get uh, some workbook stuff as well. So hopefully that equips you uh, as we talked about in the course to move from being a good preacher to a great preacher. Uh, I just think it's, it's in you. And, uh, and this is what the world needs. So anyway, I hope that's helpful for you preachers and communicators out there. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I really do hope that you're working on your craft harder than everybody else and you're never settling as uh, that poster talks about. Uh, I'd rather die of thirst than drink from the cup of mediocrity. And hopefully you apply that to your preaching. I'll leave you with this. I talk about uh, in the course uh, a scene, the last scene, the last words of the movie The Darkest Hour, which of course is about Churchill, uh, you know, in the in the Senate or whatever the British version of the Senate is. Uh, and he's talking and he's rallying uh, the people to be able to, you know, side with him on something and uh, going to war and he gets up and he does his, his whole spiel and everybody kind of starts out like they're going to vote against it. And by the time he's done, everyone's, you know, saying, yeah, yeah. And they're cheering. And, um, and, uh, and at the end of it, they two, two guys walk out and they go, how did he just do that? And, uh, and he says this, he says, um, he took the English language and sent it into battle. Um, and I think that's exactly what we do every time we preach. We, we use, we leverage the human language um, and we send it into battle because really what you're doing as a preacher and a teacher is you're in a war every day, a war, a spiritual war, a psychological war with people to convince them of truth, to change their lives and, uh, and transform them and ultimately lead them to Jesus. And that is a war that's going on every day. And so when you get up and you communicate whether it's a hundred or a thousand, 
um, understand that it's a war and you're, you're using your words and sending them into battle to change lives. And so that's, that's the big why of this thing and why it's important that we do it as best we can as God has called us to.